KRKA Radio. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another issue of Krakoa Radio. It is me, your fantastic host. It is Pisces season. Table night is here. The amazing Dex Henry. I am loved. You are loved. I'd like to turn it over to my next co-host, the uncanny Blackbird. Hello, it's the head of Table Dusk, he who is Omega of all written words, both acknowledged and un- unacknowledged, hater of Creole, hateful motherfuckers who use Iska the Unbeaten to prop themselves up because they do not stand as tall. Yes, we acknowledge all haters. We welcome all challengers. Just know that when you step into the ring, be talented enough to stay there. Thank you so much. Love all of you. And also, our peacemaker, our regent, the love of loves, the amazing and so talented, the astonishing, the wind god, Vontae. What's up? Reason in the house. We about to have ourselves a good old episode. I'm glad to be back with my lady because it's been like what two years, give or take half a century. Yeah. You like know, a long time. yeah. You guys have families now, right? <laughs> Working on it. Working yes, on yes. It. I'm trying to be bitch. I'm my mother. I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> And I really wish y'all could see how sexy Dr. Showtime is looking tonight. He has his locks cornrowed. His lips are very full. He has a fresh cut. Um, baby daddy is baby daddying. Um, call me Chloe. Call that nigga Tristan. Um, <laughs> I love. I baby, baby, I baby, I'll, I'll take a baby and play the fool for Dr. Showtime, okay? Um, I'll like to say welcome. Um, thank you for welcoming me. Just point of clarification, I am neither Creole nor a hater. I'm Jamaican, and I sit upon uh, table Dawn, one of only two tables that is currently undefeated, the other being table Day, my former table, where our regent resides. Just for points of clarification. Skrkow, are you day, undefeated or is Iska undefeated? That's all I'm trying to record. Table Dawn has a representative that is undefeated in everything. Try again. So I just want to clarify and verify the things that by which you're claiming. All I know is Zylo has sat on this table since the very start of Akara. That's all I know. Um but I'm just speaking So facts. this week we're doing Secret uh, X-Men. And the fact one. is the fact. <laughs> Hateful bitch. Uh, I swear it. Oh my God. We're also going to take a little dabble over here to um, X-Men number eight. And then we're going to wrap up with both X-Lives of Wolverine number three and X-Deaths of Wolverine number two. All right. Are we ready, everybody? Yes, Showtime paid for my silence. He said, no more circuit parties allowed ever again. Wow. 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 I just know that whatever violence that happens after this, me and Vontae had nothing to do with it. And um, <laughs> me and Vontae also would be minding our business like like a good black woman walking through a New York subway system with seeing a bunch of white people walking behind her. We're not going to see we you. Not, we, don't, we don't see you. We're not getting we don't involved. Get in white, we don't get in white people business. No. Nope. Well, I love Showtime. Here's a, here's a lesson for y'all. Here's what y'all need to do. Y'all need to stay out of white people business. <laughs> mm-hmm. And whenever, we'll go to Showtime, 
whatever Showtime does to you, it is on you. We are not involved in that. Dustin, why is everything always my fault? I am a saintly because person. Because you choose I don't violence. Do to anyone. And all you sit over there with is poets and historians and cops. So. Yeah, you know, you kind of give the... a little, you kind of give a little Kenya Moore, Natalie Nunn. Little Candace Dillard. Yeah. I can't help it that I was born with my ass glued to a throne. I'm sorry. Is that what you want to hear? So I'm sorry that you can't take deep shit. inside of me oh, is a why. bitch you won't be fucked with. Listen, Showtime, I know you're filling yourself with those cornrows in your head, but you need to also realize that to come to, to me before me and speak to me in that way, you need to also have a Bevel subscription. So thank you so much. Let's get started. Oh What's the first thing on the list today? It's actually Showtime. So we're going to go with Secret X-Men number one by Teeny Howard. Yay. Now, the rest of you, specifically um, Blackword, mute your mic for me, please. What? Thank you. Mute I love your you. mic, though. Love you. I okay, love so you. Secret X-Men number one. We're starting off here with a team that makes that is comprised of all of the losers from the Hellfire Gala's X-Men vote last year. So we have Armor, Banshee, Strong Guy, Forge for some reason, Tempo, Boom Boom, Sunspot, Brown Body, uh, Cannonball, and Marrow. Uh, so we start off the book uh, with Sunspot uh, flirting with some random Shi'ar woman because that's what niggas do. Um, while he is flirting with her, uh, she sort of tricks him into um, allowing Deathbird to show up. And uh, she prompts him, she uh, asks him to assist her in a mission to go retrieve Exandra. Is that how you say her name? Exandra? Okay, um, to receive to retrieve Alexandra because she had been kidnapped. Um, she sends Bobby to go to go build a team. Little does he know that she ha has a plan for the team that he's supposed to have. Um, so Bobby goes back to um, Cannonball and what's his wife's name's house? Smasher um, to their house and recruits Cannonball. Uh, then they go and recruit the rest of the team, which makes up the people that I listed before, the people who lost uh, the Hellfire Gala's X-Men vote last year. Uh, he recruits each and every one of them, uh, and then in the midst of that gets a mission. Uh, so previously, Deathbird had asked uh, Bobby to, uh, Brown Bobby, to go uh, to follow her to where Alexandra is, and she gives him some coordinates on where she is to meet him. To, for him to meet her there, uh, for him to follow her to where Alexandra has been hit, hidden. Um, in the midst of that, Gladiator um, gives Cannonball a similar mission, uh, but he tasks them with capturing Deathbird because he thinks that uh, she has kidnapped Alexandra uh, instead of hidden her away. Um, so they have conflicting missions there. Um, Forge, uh, it, Forge is the last person uh, to attempt to be recruited. He declines the invitation to be part of the team and instead says that if they need a tech person, that they should uh, they should uh, go retrieve Bling, our, the baddest bitch in all the land, um, who is now one of our Black tech girls. You better go off, girls. All right. Um, so then they go on to the, this mission. They capture or they use a uh, Shi'ar ship. Um, and Bobby gives them, Brown Bobby gives them all an uh, updated costume. 
um, basically, this is uh, the next few pages here in the book are a bunch of the X-Men showing off their powers, being useful in space. Uh, Cannonball shows off that his invulnerability allows him to breathe in space. Armor puts on her armor so she can breathe in space. Marrow, interestingly enough, creates bone armor that allows her to breathe in space. None of us understand how that works. And um, health and science, the degree that I have here over here, still as questioning that we have no idea what the how the fuck that works um they had to stitch together a whole bunch of spacesuits for strongman to fit in them then they get jettisoned out into space because their uh ship died essentially in space uh and they ran up against a a whole bunch of sidri sidri how the fuck do you say that sidri i'm gonna assume um and they end up trying to defeat all of them. They end up sending Banshee out into space. Another moment where physics doesn't make sense um, because Banshee and the way sound works, it has to travel through some medium and the vacuum of space is not a medium. Um, but, you know, Banshee's powers still work and um, he clears out room for them to all uh, escape back into the ship that they're in. They end up landing on some random weird ass fucking planet that apparently um, is where Deathbird is. Uh, with everybody, uh, there is a big ass fucking door that looks like some wizardy spell shit is on it. Um, and then there's a password that's given to us for some stupid ass reason. There's like a word puzzle in the middle of this comic that I don't know about the rest of y'all. I didn't fill it out. I don't know what the fucking word is. I'm just going to guess it's Sandra. Um, just because, you know, that makes sense. Um, we do find out that that is, in fact, the password. They open the gate, the door, and find a Krakoan gate inside, which um, was there to prevent anybody but mutants uh, from getting to where Xandra is. Um, just a quick reminder, Xandra is actually half mutant. Her daddy is Xavier. Uh, so we get there, and uh, Deathbird is with Xandra, and um, what are these people's names? Oracle, and what is this other bitch's name? Delphi? Is that her name? I'm going to just say yes. No? Okay. Um, are there as uh, precogs uh, to essentially assist, uh, to give, I'm sorry, to give Exandra um, uh, advice. Uh, Exandra ends up wiping all of their memories of their interaction with her, except, um, except Brown Bobby at first, um, because notably the team that was recruited does not have a psychic. And that's notable because Xandra's power is telepathy, just like her daddy. Um, and so is her two, uh, so is Delphi and um, Oracle, who are actually really strong. Um, then we see uh, one of the Sidri, uh, the Sidri are bounty hunter alien things, um, and they go with whoever's paying them the most. Uh, so one of them attacks Deathbird and tries to drag her out through the uh, through one of the windows in the ship that they're in um, and fails. We find out that what they actually tagged her with is a teleportation mine or teleport mine. Um, and then she is teleported off somewhere unknown. Uh, the rest of the team uh, goes to try to destroy all of the Sidri and the Pretty much the book ends with um, Exandra erasing all of their memories of the of them ever running into her um, with the anticipation that she'll be able to utilize her secret X-Men team in the future. 
still notable that there is no psychic on this team uh, and she is going to be functioning as their psychic. Uh, and so then they all walk back through a Krakoan gate back onto Krakoa thinking that they just had some weird random ass fucking mission and not realizing that they went to go retrieve Xandra and that Deathbird has been captured. And then we end Secret X-Men number one. Question, comments, concerns, rude comments? Um, science is a thing that people should have more respect for. Um, it's not something you can play fast and lose with like people's Omega level status. Uh, it should be respected, honored, at least basically, you know, you can't just be doing like wild shit, like bone marrow armor, um, protecting you from the vacuum of space. I can make my imagination do a lot of shit. I can invent a secondary mutation on the spot and just say, yeah, that's what happened. I don't know if I can be okay with that. <laughs> yeah, physics was definitely not, not in the at house all. in this issue. Even though I love the issue, physics was not in the house in this issue. I was deeply concerned about, I think, I think everybody else, like, I rationalized to some extent. Meryl was the only one I was just like, girl, how are you literally in a bone case? And I'm pretty sure it's extended from your bones, but, like, why is it not sucking you through the vacuum of your bones? Like, how are you still, like, like, do bones oxygenate? I'm so confused. She came out in an oxtail bone and said, I'm ready. I'm here with this is kind of glitter. The virus just came with vibes, honestly. Uh, uh, by the way, bones are porous. They're very, very minutely porous, but they are porous. So you can actually get air through them. Right. Right. So I'm like, she should have been sucked through her bones. Also, they should have sucked her out, like speaking of oxtail, like Caribbean. Ban with Banshee being bones. able to scream in space. That's not possible either. I was going to forgive that. Honestly, I was going to say maybe he's projecting energy instead and he just never knew. I can see, I can mind warp that, right? I can do a mental backflip. Yes, he's not Black Bolt, but we can lie for him. I'll lie for him. I'll lie for Banshee. The Blood Moon would have made sense. I would have been like, okay, we like energy of some form. Okay, Banshee screams. Right. And it was siren like, it was siren i said you can't argue siren's stronger than banshee i i'll give my girl morgan whatever she needs she is able to utilize it better <laughs> but she's yeah, also she magic is. not anymore it's like when storm does ridiculous shit and we just blink and we don't care because she's magic <laughs> and it's storm who's going to check her no one but, but even like you know like armor like you know she has such a strange power that like you can't really and her problems are sitting around with physics, so like anything could happen. But someone like Banshee and and um and Meryl, that, that was just foul. That was just foul. Like I immediately suspended belief. That was just foul. Oh well. Yeah. The science was a science thing in this book. Listen, I'm gonna say it's the power of having Black Bobby here. And I'm so happy Showtime highlighted that. You know, powerful things occur when we bear witness to the blackness of Sunspot. Um, that's black boy maybe, magic right there. Maybe that's bullshit. Fire shouldn't be able to exist in space. It's, it's airless. It's but he's not fire, remember? He's solar energy. So okay. he's different. He's not He's not still uh, human sucks. torch. It's the, it's the magic of melanin. Um, I asked, I'm sorry, I asked someone with a health and science degree, not you, black word. <laughs> okay, so when Henry sits there and tries to pretend like he's Switzerland right now, we understand that that's a lie. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. I don't. I don't speak. I don't speak poor. 
What did you say, young man? Oh, I'm sorry. You mess with my friend. You always mess with mm. my friend. I love Listen. you. Black Stop Listen. being a bully. If it's in my blood, mm. I'ma do it. My mama was a bully before me. I'ma be a bully too. That's all I'm gonna say. You are, you are, you are <laughs> becoming very, Miss. You're becoming very uh-huh. sinister with this group. No, sinister is not a bully. Sinister is a punk. If you wanna call me anything? Call me Tarn. <laughs> I'm a I'm, the uncut. Um... <laughs> but no, I wanted to actually discuss that a bit because I do. Like, I, I I saw something on on TikTok about the new Love Island in Brazil. And there's a black Brazilian man there, and like it's so staggering because he played like the game. He got the girl, and he was really happy that the person he got was a black woman. And like he broke down in tears just thinking about like the racism he's experienced, like in Brazil in particular, and how the world and all that impacts him on an everyday basis, and how important it was for him to have someone who gets it, who doesn't have to explain it to, who understands like that dynamic of what he goes through. Like the dude broke down into tears. Like it wasn't like movie tears. Like he was like authentically crying when he's like addressing the racism and the anti-blackness in Brazil. And it just kept reminding me of Sunspot's storyline that we already know exists and that we get. And now it's kind of just swept underneath the rug as if it does not matter. Um, and it's kind of just swept under when any American addresses Brazil as, oh, but it doesn't really matter. It's also in this American Chavez uh, situation going on. People are debating it. I'm not going to weigh in on that much. I'm a black man. I, I feel like everyone knows where I'm standing on that. But at the same time, I'm not in support of people DMing a 15-year-old kid about it. Choke out the casting director over it. That little girl is too young to even realize exactly what's going on when she accepts that role. She got booked so, for a, a Marvel Disney film. She's excited about it. Let her be. Now, yeah. good for her. You I do totally you agree that they should have cast an Afro-Latina, preferably a Puerto Rican Afro-Latina. However, I don't fault the young lady for that. I fault the casting. There's two different people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, like, kids are just off limits. I'm sorry. Kids are just off limits. She's trying to make a living. She's trying to make a name for herself. I don't, and even, like, the characters, like, she's not, like, playing, like, like Harriet Tubman, like she's not, she ain't doing like a whole messy thing yeah. like Scarlett Johansson playing an Asian woman. Like at least she look halfway like close to what she's playing. Shit. Yeah. Scarlett Johansson was a grown ass woman. But I would just like to point out, <laughs> yeah, that Disney made sure to cast an actually Chinese person to play Shang Chi, but did not care to do that when it came to a Puerto Rican girl. I just would like to point that out. On yes. The ancient one? No, no. They'll no, never let that ancient one that, down. Also, but when it came to a, a black Puerto Rican girl, they chose to cast a Mexican girl, an indigenous Mexican girl. Just pointing it out. They cared to get the nationality correct when it came to Shang Chi. They didn't care to do that with a Puerto Rican girl. Maybe they're going to cast a Nigerian to play Jericho Drum. Just wait. That's going to be a Nigerian man speaking with a Haitian patois. <laughs> I know. Get ready. Well, do we have anything else to say about these secret X-Men, the DL X-Men? I just... Other I like, than I like these... how they... Um, I like how there's Xandra's secret team. Like, I'm here for that. 
It's it's just amazing. Also, I um shout I'm out to the Mulatto studio, Mutants. I'm going to a Studio 54 party, so I have to do my makeup. Wow. Okay, I love really it, sweetie. Cute. You I look just, beautiful. I wanted to be sure that I understood what was going on. Markers and eyeshadow. <laughs> I want to dye my beard burgundy, so I feel you. Oh, I dyed mine. I'll send you a photo. Love it. Show me the. I want to see the whole okay. look after it's done. But definitely, um, shout out to the mutant mulattoes, Thor, Chandra, um, you know, Quicksilver. Well, Quicksilver's daughter doesn't count. She's inhuman. Um, they don't do half breeds over there, so she's full. Uh, <laughs> oh, she's a, oh, she's a mug blood. Fuck Luna. You know, um, Luna girl, you tried um, your best. I actually. Oh, but do we count Megan? Megan's technically a mutant mulatto. Meg? Oh yeah, she is because she's half fairy. Then so is Pixie. Yeah. Pixie's a mutant mulatto as well. Mm-hmm. Well, um, lifeguard. We love all and, you babies. Um, slipstream also. Exactly, exactly. I feel like some scrawls technically count. I really do, but we're not gonna get into that. But I feel like deep in my soul that you know some of these. I'm like, if you if your whole thing is that you have telepathy now, baby, you're a mutant. I'm sorry. Um, so that's all on that. They did something weird, weird in Thor, but we're gonna get to that later. They did something weird in Thor about Thor's parentage, but like we don't have to establish that just yet. So moving on. We are heading to New Mutants number 24. Done by me, yours truly, from Table Night. All right, so we open up in the Green Lagoon with Richter and Magic having a nice little conversation about, you know, relationships and communication and language and you know, a little bit about sorcery and some things. Um, then we switch over to Ron having, well, Ron, Rain, um, Sinclair, Wolfbane, having some recollections of her child and where her child is and why, you know, this is this is the subplot that I think we're going to hit into the future, but knowing the whereabouts of her child is something that's really pressing for her. So we're trying to get to that point. And also, um, her and Danny Moonstar have a conversation, like a heart-to-heart you know, explaining their feelings and that, like, you know, I'm always connected to you. We have a second before, you know, we're still good. Like, let's get through this. The next thing we get to is our lovely Cosmar um, off to see Mask at the Maura McTaggart um, Memorial Public Hospital, more X is Alive. And we're talking about when her powers first manifested and how it turned her to this physical monster, how much she hates it. And they are sending her to Mask to have some plastic surgery to fix the way she physically appears. Then we go to Warpath, who is in his home, fixing up some things, and guess who shows up? His big brother, John Proudstar, the Thunderbird. And they're having an exchange about why he didn't show up to his arrival, and, you know, Warpath feels guilty about not avenging his brother's death, and they make peace, and they hug it out. Lovely. Then we see Magic and, um, Magic and Richter back at back at the bar having another conversation talk about the importance of magic and all these other things and out of the corner of their eye they see the lovely um, Madeline Pryor in the state of page we see um, Martha Johansson no girl um, and we're discussing her getting a husk request form so we are back at Arbor Magna for resurrection and the resurrection is of no girl, Martha Johansson, who has a new body 
and it's going by the code name Sarabella. Um, the thing that is interesting about her new appearance is that she looked very similar to Salabelle from the alternate reality that our favorite mutant Rasputin sits in. Um, but, you know, we'll see where this goes. Now we're back to everyone. Mask um, has fixed Cosmar to a, a much more humanoid-looking appearance. Um, Richter and Magic are, are reminiscent about Apocalypse and the importance of magic. John and, and James Proustar are connecting. All the all the little ex-kids are, so Adelaide, um, Scout, Sarabella, Cosmar, and Waterboy, I think that's his name, are all like together and talking. Then you see some other romantic connections between Karma and some other mutant with wings that I do not recognize. And then we see uh, Havoc and Polaris sitting together. And then from there, we switch to Arako, and they are dropping off Amal Farouk to to um to get some therapy, I guess, through Legion's, you know, the Legion of X, and getting some things from Legion. And they say, as a friend, we're going to drop you off. It's like I think there's a part of this thing they have mercy for him because like he was basically possessed. And at the end of this issue, we see Madeline Pryor. We see magic approach Madeline Pryor, and they have, and she says she has a proposition, a proposition for her, and I believe it's bringing back magic to its full force to Krakoa. Um, I want to say that this was a very heartwarming issue. I'm kind of glad that we have some closure to some things. I think the only thing we really did get closure was really about Will Spain and her kid, but Madeline Pryor being back, love it. Sarah Bella, love the new name. Glad Mama's got her body. She deserves. Cosmar getting a little plastic surgery. I think the importance of cosmetic surgery for people who are disfigured by accidents or whatever is important. There's a lot of lot of themes here, but uh, comments, thoughts, accusations, concerns. Nicki Minaj said, you didn't fuck me, you fucked the old body. Um, period, Pooh. Uh, we love cosmetic surgery. We love enhancements. Um, we love, like, you know, as Mama um, Electra Abundance said, we will never judge a girl for getting a little bit of work done. And we love that. Um, someone actually, I was watching um, Flirt Without Fear on YouTube, and he really pointed out the facts that a lot of the discussion surrounding these characters is that it was leaning heavily into the trans allegory, which is really important, especially because Vita Ayala um, writes for the series, and a lot of their work has been in, in representing and depicting a lot more trans mutants or mutants of a trans experience and discussing this idea of physicality within mutants and physical mutations as a like a, basically a very plentiful opportunity to discuss the agency one has to have about their body both within like the aspect of when mirage was like oh girl you should be happy about your mutations and embrace it you know this is the right thing to do versus like the interpretation of okay so i'm being told that i have no choice but to look like how i look like even though i don't feel like it fits the standard or the reality that I feel inside. And I'm happy they found that middle ground of Cosmar tweaking her body, um, leaving parts of it that was the mutant aspect of the mutant identity, but also finding ways to make it more comfortable for herself and how she sees herself or what she would have interpreted. Um, I think what is very helpful to note here is that uh, Vida Ayala is who is writing the New Mutants book currently. And because 
they are non-binary. They understand gender in a different way than a cisgendered person probably would or a binary person probably would. Um, so I think that that has been adding to um, the storylines that you mentioned, uh, Stephen, is that you can't really get the nuance of that if you're not part of that community. And I really am appreciating um, that they have been including some of those nuances that we wouldn't have gotten from a cisgender or binary um, person. So I've, I've really appreciated that. I also appreciate that um, Shadow King is going to go um, add to, uh, was it um, Legion's uh, House of L? I think that's what it's called, um, as sort of his you know, backup person uh, to assist with the expansion of that so that it it can see its full, so they form a mutant circuit. I really think that that is a, uh, a great use of Shadow King moving forward. Anyone else feel like Shadow King should maybe change his code name? <laughs> I just feel that deeply. Um, he's been in those clothes for, he's been in those clothes for fucking like, like, that, like Yeah, like 30 years, maybe? You might want to, since, since Aurora was a child. <laughs> I don't know and, his code name staying Shadow King. I think maybe, I like the King part. I like the King part. Um, Maybe we can just tweak the shadow part. It might be a little bit too traumatizing, even for you, baby. I, I'm I'm thinking about Amal's, you know, mental health when I say that, because I also recommended earlier today or yesterday uh, that Jean Grey just go full force with her whole dick out and call herself Professor X, um, because I, you know, it's always fun to change up your identity, you know, and you know, maybe Spider King might give you a little too much branding in relationship to the Spider Family. But you know, maybe arachnophobia, that might be. He could always go with, um, he could go the Emma Frost route and go just by Amal Farouk. Because if it's not broke, you don't have to fix it. Emma Frost is, is white savior, though. She don't use that code name. Um, I know some Nobody people think she's white queen. She's Nobody white savior. Her name is Emma Frost. No one calls her anything else. Her name is White Savior, and anyone who tells me otherwise is lying to me. Um, that's White Savior right there. That's the Shawty Supreme. Um, that's the creme de la creme. Um, <laughs> you're on mute, Henry. <laughs> what I think should have happened was that they should have resurrected Shadow King as a boy to give him a second chance to live his life again. So they add another teen character to the team like they did Malice the same way. Um, I think he should just switch his name to Shadow Prince. Because this is the thing. You can't get, like, I like the name Shadow King. Like, like, like Apocalypse is a really wild name. But an Apocalypse is an inevitability. So, so is a Shadow. So, oh, oh, I like that, Henry. Oh, he, my God. <laughs> yeah, because he can always take the Shadow King and give it its own meaning. It doesn't have to be tied to what it was. Right. He can make it his own thing. You know, not to a multiversal demon, which is still the weirdest fact about the Shadow King, I think, is that that motherfucker is not, like, you go to his, his Wikipedia page on the Marvel Wiki, and, like, it's just one Shadow King. It's not multiple. It's just one. And that dude expands all that shit. It's just ironic. Um, But, yeah, I'm happy he's in the uh, anchor. He's helping out Legion. You know, all of Xavier's ops linked up. Not the ops. 
But yeah, I, 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 think, I think he deserves, I think Amal Farouk deserves a second chance in his childhood. You know what did this? I think this all has to be things like because it's no, it's not ironic that he linked up with Legion because the Legion TV show basically points out the fact that um, Amal's relationship to David in that series because he hides out in his head is that I saw this boy grow up. I have like, the utmost sympathy for him no matter what. His perspective from living in his head his entire life is that that's my son. Like my love for David, that I don't want him to turn out like me. That's how his heel phrase turn ends up in the story is that I don't want him to turn out like me because I have experienced this kid's entire life behind closed doors. I have nothing but empathy. It taught me what empathy was. I'm no longer a sociopath because of this kid. And so my entire actions throughout this series has been to gear him against the inevitability of him becoming a villain. And I, yeah. I really appreciate that they subtly did that by having him sent over to Legion so they can reiterate that storyline, which people have really felt in that series is one of the best representations of that like entire the dynamic. Legion television show that was on FX that Fox did is probably the best work that they did with any of the X-Men properties the entire time they had them. Period. You also gave us a black telepath. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Best show ever. Really fucking fantastic cinematography on 10. But you know, this is not a Legion television, uh, television review. Maybe one day we might do that. Huh, maybe we might do a Twitter spaces on it. Um, but any other thoughts about this phenomenal wrap up to what was a fantastic series? No. No. They did. I, 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 I felt like out of all the experts we've ever done, this one gave actual closure for once. Even though we're getting a, re a reset to a, a new meeting number one, I guess, I'm sure, I don't know. But this was closure, appreciated it. So real quick, before we really move on, who do you guys, who are you guys rooting for in terms of the battle for Limbo for Sorcerer Supreme? Are you giving it to Ileana? Are you giving it to to uh, our girl, Madeline? I've, I've um, always at, been, a, been a fan Madeline. of Ileana Rasputin. She has deserved from the very first day we saw her, she has deserved and earned it each and every time she has shown up on a mission. She reminds the girls that she is not to be played with. She is the baddest bitch of the New Mutants, not named Moonstar. We, she deserves. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And um, Ileana is the only person that I know that deserves to stay in limbo. Let Madeline Pryor create her own dimension, her own hellish goblin shit. Let her do that. She don't need Limbo. Mm -hmm. Let her make her own shit. No, she can have her little god. She can have her little army of goblins running around on brimstone and fire, whatever the fuck she, whatever the hell her imagination comes up with. Let her have that and let Ileana keep her shit. You know, I want to agree. Ileana as Lim in Limbo, as one of the greatest Ileana stands on Twitter, I have to agree. But at the same time. You know, Madeline just serves such cunt that I can't help but also just go, maybe a Regency? <laughs> you know, you can't always be there, Eliana. You're quite the busy girl. You know, you're a captain. You're helping out with these damn kids. You're teaching at this goddamn academy full of flat scans. Like, you got so much to do. Let her sit on a little throne. You know, give her a little a little um, Morgana treatment when Morgana's running, the, um, running Camelot for Arthur. Just let her, like, you know, play around you, there. You know what bit. would gag? She got a couple parts What would gag each okay. and every one of us? is if neither one of them wins Limbo and it's Sapna gets to escape the Soul Sword and take take over Limbo. That would gag everyone. That would stress me out. 
Um, I currently am also shipping Bishop with Madeline because he's never going to get back with Gene. But I did like that relationship. I did like the relationship in um in Age of X Men. I'm sorry, it was is a little cute. It was unexpected. Well, I mean, I think that like like if it's not Pixie, if it's not Ileana or uh, Madeline, it should be Pixie. I can she, agree she there. But I don't. I wouldn't want her to be that. That would be a, giving her a lot. Anywho, we got to move on now, lovely. So sorry, Ileana. We love your hair. Nice sword. Nice crop top. I guess. Uh, so next is X Men number eight, brought to you by that bitch over there, Stephen. Oh, are we just okay? I guess it is my turn. Okay, let's open up and take a gander into the most beautiful forest and slow it down for some quiet storm. So we open up in X Men. To what is basically an issue I like to call drama 2.0. So a bunch of stuff gets fast forwarded through, and we we kind of zoom in on this idea of Modoc reappearing and being, you know, a gene freak uh, who just loves to fuck with genes um, and begins to reveal how he actually experiments on people for all of his bullshit. So basically, he picks up yachts in the middle of the ocean. Um, secures them and then drops a bunch of bullshit into the food and watches what happens because he's a warrior like that. So his big ass head floats around and watches people try to tear each other apart. Um, to note, before the X-Men officially get there, a lot of people have died. So we zoom in on the X-Men flying over the ship. Uh, our homegirl Polaris identifies in the air that there's an invisible aircraft. They're using high-tech side blockers and camouflage to obscure themselves, but because our sis has electromagnetic senses, she can detect it up there in the air. The team splits up, um, Wolverine puts down her stack, and three of the X-Men leap down as Cyclops gears up to go handle it. Um, down on the ship, Sink uses Gene's telepathy to help handle most of the things going down. He relays a lot of messages while um, Wolverine is kicking ass, and they have a small conversation in regards to what's happening, what happened in the vault. Sink officially declares that he will be surrendering his love for Laura. And mostly as a result of, unfortunately, the feeling that he's being greedy about his feelings of holding her accountable to a thing that she doesn't even realize, remember, or wants to remember. And that Laura does ask him, how long did it take for her to fall in love with him? And how long did it take for her to actually let her walls down and be with him? And it, honestly, he he showed his L. He was like, honestly, it took like 200 years for you to even want to touch me. And she was like, wow, that quick. And it's a ha-ha moment, but it's also like, ha-ha, Laura has a lot of trauma. And she does not let her walls down easy. And it is her giving a nod to the possibility that Sink did mean something to her. And it's important for her to know that someone could have meant something to her in that way. Um, then you get one of the most saddest scenes you possibly ever could from our homeboy, Everett, where he recalls what he did to even get elected. He knows everyone's going to vote for him because of what happened in the vault, but he makes his vote a required duality. So for Laura, for him to get elected, Laura has to be elected as well, um, because he's doing it for her. 
And that is also leans back to the fact that Laura was really shocked that she was voted for in the first place because um, she had no idea what the fuck went down because also she has no memory of the vault in itself. They move forward. Uh, Everett is relaying with Gene uh, about what's going on in the air. They have cornered Modoc's big ass head and they basically start gearing up to intercept him. Um, all the other mutants are zeroing in, getting ready to join into a fight. And, you know, things go down, they fight, blah, blah, blah. Everett saves Laura's life from drowning because Sis can't really swim that well. And then Everett puts Captain Krakoa, aka Scotty, up in Modoc's big ass head to reveal that he actually has a family and people who care about him and depend on him. So he's not just a psychopath, he's a family man, just like all white men. Um, we move forward from there to the discussion about what exactly is going on, what's his deal, why is he doing this when he could be doing anything else. And he's like, basically just for science. From there, the X-Men get thanked, everyone shakes hands, Laura gets her snack, enjoys the buffet. And basically, Everett confirms for one of the final times that it was not any of the telepathic girlfriends who did that. It was him. He was the one who went in to our homeboy journalist's head and removed the information. But it was immediately after he removed the psychic information that he realized the horror of what he did. And he had actually removed an opportunity for the X-Men to come forward and be celebrated by the world as immortal creatures and the divine inheritors of the earth who are there to help. Um, he set back the movement basically by trying to meddle and he offers his opportunity to resign. And Scott, I was like, dude, we all fuck up sometimes. What are you doing? Shut up, ha ha, come here, let's have a drink. And you know, they have a very big brother mentally moment where it's quite clear that Everett is now being set up to maybe one day replace Scott if it ever does come down to it. There's a far reach from a previous century where even Mirage was calling out the fact that Scott was treating people like soldiers and not like his family. Whereas this moment, you do see the camaraderie and the familial relationship that he has for his fellow X-Men now. This is his people's. Um, we get a cameo of Negasonic Teenage Warhead because that fucking Deadpool movie has now made her a meme in itself. And we end the comic right then and there with opportunity and hope for the future. And also a hint that we're going to see what exactly happened to the casino of fucking alien monsters that we haven't seen in almost like what three four issues thoughts concerns accusations so can captain Krakoa fly uh yes yeah it's, it's because okay. of the suit that's all i that's my and speaking of suits oh my god henry oh <laughs> you okay. look like a bad that. bitch god but i'm fuck through yes it's coming it's coming it's giving cunt honestly it's it's so beautiful i love it um <laughs> But yes, that's also something I skip is that the suit was revealed to be a defense, a weapon basically for all mutants who do not have a defensive ability, which is actually a really smart idea because all mutations aren't created with danger and attack in mind. Some things are so beautiful that they're actually just gifts. It really gives the beta mutants a chance to really like fight and and be useful on the field because like like he said, like he used Artie and Leech for a prime example. Like they have abilities that are really not helpful like already makes what distractions like you make like illusions and and leech can depress um can, can suppress abilities which are great in the field but if they can't fight girl you know honey uh you gonna uh, i'll see you in the resurrection queue sweetie <laughs> um but 
I just think that like it is really nice that Forge is, is giving the option of combat to the girls who may not be able to do combat. I think that's really endearing. The part of like, Genus too. Cause, cause Forge, yeah, because Forge is clocked in. Forge is always clocked Forge in. Forge is clocked in. Him and Sage, the Bishop, mm-hmm. no PT, the Cuckoos, Emma. No, now that Forge is on Kokoa medication and his um, issues are all taken care of, he's doing so much better. So yeah, much he better. Is. He's doing great. No, not deactivating people's X genes anymore, not um, creating weapons of mass to destruction. Be fair, technically, he did deactivate somebody else's X gene. Just he wasn't aware of him doing it because Mora is no longer a mutant because of his technology. Girl, fuck Mora. So I mean, <laughs> don't do that. I love her. Don't. That's mother. Don't admit she that gets to Adrian her. vibes. I love her. First, you love Luna. Ooh, now, you love Myra. Look, Next, you're going to love Sinister. I said I hated Luna. I said Must be Luna. another Moira because Moira from Personnel? I can't. Not Moira from Personnel. Oh, we don't claim her. This issue was just so great, though. Honestly, I'm not ready for this team to go. Um, I feel like we haven't really gotten that much out of them in terms, but it's also been fantastic. It's an interesting dichotomy. I think it's the first sensation I ever had where I'm like, not much has really happened in the X-Men comics, but it feels like because the character dynamics are so intriguing, a lot has happened. It gives... Oh, my God. It it gives what Chris Claremont okay, sorry, himself doing in the 90s, where you would just have a whole bunch of issues where nothing really actually happened, but a whole lot happened. It's like, I'm happy they replaced the individual familial drama that they used to be, where like, for no reason, like, I always complain about this in X-Men Volume 4, why the fuck was Rachel such a fucking dick? Rachel was such a dickhead in that comic, and like it just didn't make any sense. Like she was just hating on Storm nonstop for no reason, and it was just to create drama. And like I'm happy it's not here. I'm happy they talk. I'm happy they're all friends. You know, you look at Everett and Shiro in the same comic. You're like those are homies. I think like Rachel was probably hating on Storm because that was her best friend, her mother's best friend, and she's like, she's not friends with me. How are you friends with you, darkie? <laughs> There's no darkies in the future. You know, she was a slave hunter. I mean, I'm sorry, she was a hound. So, right. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm happy to see more. Um, I'm happy we got more Avengers villains in the X Men comics. I'm happy they're they're including more of the genetic based villains in this because honestly, it makes sense. It was giving some. I, this comic really appreciates Black people and Black history because there's so many different homages to a bunch of different actual historical shit. Um, it has been in every single issue, and I think that the writers are actively considering like real-life implications of things that have occurred to Black people. Um, you know, it's Black History Month. If you guys don't know, you probably should find out um, because it's predominantly happened to us. And there is interesting things that can be said about how little the X-Men comics have given attention towards the African-American perspective on so many different issues while also borrowing from the narrative that I really just do appreciate that even in the moments where it pauses, it goes, okay, we're going to rename the headquarters to Seneca Park 
in honor of the very real history of what happened here in Manhattan. Right. Ever for leader of the X-Men, uh, 2K22. I concur. I second that motion. Okay, now we are moving on, I guess, into the next issue. Vante, now it's actually your turn. X-Lives and X-Deaths. Right. <laughs> yeah. Peacemaker. <laughs> Pause and x death. So starting with x death number So x death number two. Um, we start this issue off with um, Moira in Oklahoma, and she is robbing a grocery store. Excuse me, she's robbing a corner store, and um, she gets in her little BMW and contacts um, Jane Foster, and Jane informs her that she about the cancer that she has, and she says there appears to be some. Uh, Floronic matter woven into it somehow, and it can it comes from the um, no place biome. Um, so Moira, uh, Moira says they did this to me. She throws the phone out the window. Um, we get to um, a data page, and um, it's called the Wolverine. It's a uh, Sage's logbook, and it's the Wolverine anom anomaly. Um, basically, it's um, talking about an um, anomalous wolverine detected on Krakoa is picking up emotional signatures of pain and hate and um, um, is there uh, just a bunch of other random stuff with the, the anomalous wolverine. So we get to the Gulf of Mexico. Um, it's this boat. They're fishing, doing all this stuff. They grab a shark or whatever the hell. And then you see this um, Wolverine that's in black, and I guess um, Nick had infected with the phalanx on the boat, and he throws everybody off board and hijacks it and drives off with it. <laughs> um, in New Mexico, uh, back in New Mexico, um, Moira, she is. Um, kind of going over certain things that happened. Um, she said she had a dream. It was her dream as much as his, referring to Charles Xavier. Um, she went from being a um, the secret, uh, the secret weapon, to being the thing that they want to erase. And now Mystique is after her. So um, uh, basically, she says she knows what she has to do in order to, um, I guess, keep the keep from being found. Um, so there is this um, gentleman that comes up to a hotel um, saying something about he, he needs a place to stay and um, he's supposed to be his daughter, blah, blah, blah. And it turns out that it is um, Mystique. So we get to, um, we get back to Moira's room. She fills up the bathtub with um, iodine. Iodine, I don't know if I'm saying that right. But she gets in the tub, she starts drinking, she has a knife, she burns it, put, like gets it real hot, and then she cuts off the um, phalanx, the, her phalanx arm that uh, Warlock gave her and um, burns the end of it. Um, Mystique, she, um, 
she figures out where um, uh, Moira's hotel motel room is, and she disguises herself as the I guess the motel clerk and kicks the door open, starts shooting. Um, Moira isn't there. She leaves the bloody um, Felix arm in the bed, and then underneath the bed there's a bomb, and then it explodes. So we go from there to the um, back to Kokoa on the biome where Mystique and Destiny resides. And Destiny is talking to herself, saying that she warned her that something like this would come. And um, I guess Mystique thought that she could um, change the future in some some way, shape, or form, and that she hates being right. And um, she senses that there may be some hope, and then she says she sees something about a man in black and um death himself death himself and then you see the um phalanx wolverine in the sky um then you get um some other data page sages law book the singing stones um it's uh some quote um it's it's an audio file and then you hear it's saying, I'm no one, I was never here. And then it picks up some anomalous frequency and then it's translated and it's saying that we are the phalanx multiple times. So we get to um, Forge's lab and he is, he has this black, he has this pod, this black pod or something. And he's examining it and he's saying that it's Krakoan but it's old as hell and then it's like the timelines don't match up somehow and um it's uh, a thousand years older than the island itself so I don't know what that's about but um it basically doesn't belong it doesn't belong here I guess in this timeline so we get back to the motel that was blown up and then you have the phalanx wolverine walking up to the hotel he assaults the officers walks through the fire he's um detecting the uh warlock or the phalanx armor whatever steps on um mystique's uh burned ass bones and um i guess he i guess he absorbs it somehow. Well, I, I think that's what he did. I'm not sure. But um, of course the police, being dumbass white people decided they want to, uh, we're going to stop him and all this shit. So um, he goes to this other part I think of the motel. He absorbs some I think he absorbs some data from the computer and it's a different images and um, information on a, I think a Arnab check Chequador, something to that effect. Um, police try to detain him, whatever, and he uh, basically takes them out. Um, then we get some monologue from um, from Moira saying, "I've lived, I've died, and I lived over and over again." The mutants always meet their end. They wanted this. They wanted this time to be different and they got their wish and she's seen the future and um, she just didn't think that it would get there that fast. So that ends the uh, Deaths of Wolverine. Any thoughts and comments on that one? Moro is working with the Phalanx. 
That's all I got. Um, I, I, I know we talked about this last time. I feel like the her past lives are, are crossing over into this reality, and that's not good at all. Because that Wolverine is from her, from her sixth life. That's not good. Very much that Myra might have had a secondary mutation thing going on that no one knew about because she didn't even understand her goddamn powers um, to the fruition. I really do agree and feel like she was holding together. Like the world she abandoned were just in a pocket somewhere. It might seem like that's Odin and that's doing too much and mutant power shouldn't be that big. But then I reiterate that Cyclops' eyes are portals into a whole dimension that he created. Makes very little sense, but actually when you think about it, not a lot of powers do. Again, bone marrow in outer space. Girl, Miss Marrow and her breathable, uh, unbreathable bone suit can keep it. Listen, we gotta stop before people keep putting out like, but didn't you guys say that when Storm did a bunch of shit with weather that didn't make listen, listen, listen. Storm is magic. We're hypocrites. Storm is magic. We don't storm is magic. Energy it was a spell. Exists in all space. Energy always around. We can always collect molecules. She's good. Listen, Meryl's not an omega level bone chick, okay? That's not her thing. She's just Wolverine with a cheaper healing factor and a lot more stabs. That's it. I mean, though, like, Meryl's one of my favorite characters, but no shade. If she didn't know how to fight, she'd be a beta level B for her. She'd be no worse than fucking B. You know who we prefer more than Meryl? Spike. Where's Spike at? Ooh. Bring Spike in. In a damn excellent book. We can't erase Bro, that ever happened and just do like a nigga Sonic Teenage Warhead thing. thing. That didn't happen. We don't know her. That didn't happen. No. We've never seen Spike no. in the comics before. It's never occurred. But didn't they create him in X-Men, X-Men Evolution? Evolution? Yeah. In that excellent... No, no. That that aesthetics team. Isn't it like a character has like spike abilities like Spike and is black and is a black man? Yes, but they um they did his character so wrong. Like it didn't even, they didn't even take his personality from the show. Cause Spike was never like a dickhead like that. Like he's given Kanye West in the excellent series. And like in the show, he was very much like, honestly, if you can get someone who would probably be a black radical, Spike would low key probably be one. He was a skater dude. Yeah. But like he wasn't standing for Quicksilver's bullshit. He, he was not going like when they told him to do something, he's like, you're white and you're talking to him like that. Like he gives me the energy. Like if he's on TikTok, he would be the people who would be cussing out white people on a daily basis. Um, and we love that about him. Of course, that's that's what you get from Aurora's nephew. Well, the thing is, like, that's unfortunate is that we may never get him in that same capacity if we're not. Because I don't really feel like the X Men are going to be touching like alternate timelines for a while. They may do time travel involving like more shit, but I don't think we're going to get like. Like the thing with they um with the Brotherhood from the future that was led by Charles Xavier's son. I feel like like I don't think we'll never get like an alter reality like that in a while. I feel like we might while. because they're here. Um, and also I have my theory about Chimera on the timeline. You know, people saw that some people liked it, some people didn't. But I do believe that we could possibly get Chimera through the lens of her being actual Chimera. Um, is right there. It's easily doable. I think if they're going to do it, they're going to do it soon. I think if we were to get Spike. It wouldn't be an alternate timeline thing. I think it would be a thing where 
they actively do the work to unbury her familial heritage. Because um, Storm deserves And so Spike could exist. Like the Grays and Summers. She deserves. I truthfully believe that Storm's father was a mutant. That would be an interesting storyline, though. Because doesn't the... Don't the men typically hold the X gene? Yes, that was introduced in the X Men movies, but then like the comics just went. Actually, honestly, that probably makes sense, and it just did it. Right. Or also, mean dad be dads in the Marvel universe that are mutants. Okay, I'm just I just really got really into the weeds on the science of this because that doesn't fucking make sense. Because then you would never have women mutants. I think the excuse for them was that the idea was, oh, well, if you just pass on an X chromosome, but you're right, the science doesn't make sense. But, you know, I just want her father to be a mutant, not her, not her mother. Not for any other reason that I feel like it's just a cross section of her magic comes from her mother, but like the X gene mutation aspect coming from her father. Because people all bury him a lot. I'm, that's fine. I was just saying that if the X gene was only only ever came from your father then there would never be women mutants because they wouldn't it would be on the y chromosome unless they were trans then or intersex in some way also her father's a telepath in my head or an energy person because that would make sense for her power or a telepath Sometimes their powers don't make any goddamn sense how they transition. Right, like the you have a speedster dad, no and then like who, how none of those are tied together. Look at Cannonball's family; don't make no goddamn sense. Mm-hmm. It's like flying esque. But anywho, and then you have Husk mixed in there for a while. All right. All right, um, X Wives of Wolverine number three. All right, so I'm gonna wrap this up real quick. So, um, we open the book up with um, Charles and Jean Gray still doing their thing with um, having Logan, um, psychically well, time displaced in, into his multiple lives, however, the hell that goes. Um, we get like multiple views of the many lives he lived and all of that. Um, We get to the 1900s in Northern Canada and um, Omega Red is possessing one of um, Benedict Xavier's um, crew members. So he's going from crew member to crew member. Benedict Xavier ain't fucking around. He's taking all the asses out. Let's see, Wolverine. He's on his um, on his way to rescue on his way to rescue Benedict. Um, Omega Ray goes from um, one of the crew members to this giant fucking whale that he he possesses a giant whale and gets attacked by that. Um, we get to um, Japan where Wolverine um, is fighting. Um, his baby mama Itsu, who's possessed by um, Omega Red, and um, he's he's calling for Gene, his other you know love of his life, and saying that he needs help. He wants to save Dakin. Um, maybe project. I guess um, trying to figure out if they can 
isolate his mind so that it's not erased or however Gene put it. And um, Xavier's like, we don't have enough time for that. Um, so out of nowhere comes Romulus. I think I said that right. Romulus and he attacks um, he attacks the Omega Red possessed Itsu. Um, then we get to um, Siberia and we have um, uh, shit, what is his name? Macau uh, 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 Rasputin and um, Omega Red and he's like you know, you need to know the truth. You you know the truth of what the Krakoans and what they did to you and everything. And um, he basically wants him to be his soldier. Um, he's not tricking him. He's not forcing him. But he just wants you know his service or whatever. So he removes the um, carbonadium synthesizer, and then he takes the cerebral sword and um, jams it into his chest. So I think that's going to be replaced with the the synthesizer is going to be replaced with the cerebral sword. Um, we get back to um, Columbia many years ago in the Amazon. Wolverine is still running or whatever from Sabretooth and um, let's see he's trying to uh, locate Xavier. Um, let's see. We get back to the whale attacking the boat. Um, it's using its uh, tentacles to try to, I guess, grab Benedict and swallow it, swallow him whole. Um, Wolverine jumps jumps in and you know helps fend off the, the the giant whale. And Benedict's like, "Oh, well, thank you. I'm gonna help you jump this nigga," and starts throwing a, a barrel of fire in his mouth or whatever. Um, get back to Japan. Um, Wolverine is still fighting um, Romulus and um, Omega Red is still possessing Itsu, his baby mama. Uh, she was like, she's he's talking all this shit to him, like, um, you know, while you're occupied with him, I could take a tree branch and shove it in my eye and, or just jump off a cliff, all this shit. So, um, he's basically like, um, Xavier's just one man, let him go. And um, basically, he, he's like, he doesn't have time to mess around with Romulus, so he puts in the work, he starts uh, slashing the fuck out of him, and then he goes on about his business, um, and then I guess later in the, in the near, in, later in that timeline, the Winter Soldier is supposed to come and do his dirty work for him at, at some point. Um, so... Um, Omega Red no longer possesses Itsu. Um, she's back to normal. Um, Gene says, I'm sorry, but you have to go. And he, Logan doesn't want to go just yet. So we get back to, I guess, the Amazon. And you see Xavier. He's sitting in front of these cameras. And he's saying that he, um, he's saying that he could see the future. And he's trying to, I guess, save um, the, the threat of deforestation in the Amazon and threatening the wild that's threatening the wildlife and indigenous uh, tribes and all of that um, Logan he's getting closer to Xavier um, Jean is uh, psychically in the crowd she's saying she can't locate Omega Red and he's supposed to be here and um, next thing you know 
um, Wolverine, he starts holding his head and then he's saying that he thinks that he thinks that I um, he thinks that he's the one that sh um, they should all be afraid of. And then you see that he's possessed by Omega Red and he has the symbol and the um, tentacles coming from his forearms. And that's how the book ends. So any thoughts or concerns on that? I kind of was hoping for that to happen because I was like, why has he just possessed Wolverine and just did what he had to do? That's what I'm saying. It shouldn't have taken like three issues into X Lives for you to do that. That would have been my first thing I did if I was a bad guy and Omega Red. Right. I just, I'm kind of, well, the only thing I will say to bonus about it taking three issues is that it'd take three months of issues. Like, yeah. they, they pain, <clears throat> painfully took us through the trial of Magneto. Girl, and that was only five issues. But, um, I was over it by the second one. Of too, of too much. Right. A five issue yeah. of too much of nothing. And the Try fifth to... issue was, the fifth issue I had to say was the only interesting one. The bookends. Everything else was trash. Um, I'm not really a fan of, of, of Ten Lives of Wolverine. I'm just like, I, I get it, but it's not appetizing for me. I'm more interested to see what's going to happen in, in Ten Deaths of Wolverine. Yeah. Um, But Ten Lives, like, I get it. I, I think it's gonna give us like some big like status quo change that'll make sense later. But right now, I'm not feeling it. Um, I'm good without it. Yeah, I, I you know I gave it I gave it a shout out. I'm still catching up on um, X Deaths. I just read this this issue that just passed, but um, is this it? This seems like a bunch of um, time hopping, right? It it just doesn't it just doesn't seem like it's not bad like it's it's good for what it is but it's like it, it like the time hop, I'm like I'm 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 okay with a good time hop but it's just like it's just like one of those race against time bullshit storylines and it's just not I don't know why it's just not grabbing it's it's, it's not grabbing it's me. because the the last time that we had a time hoppy sort of story. It was House of X, Powers of Ten, and it was actually good. That's why. Yeah. Right. And it was layers to that shit. Like this shit is like it's it's just Omega Red. Oh well, there's an Xavier in this time. There's an Xavier in this timeline, or like whatever down the family tree. So I'm gonna kill this one, or I'm gonna go with this timeline. I'm gonna kill this one. Like it's just and like, like it's an easy thing to disprove yeah. because like if you're traveling through time just go and you're having issues because wolverine's popping up go to the timeline before he was born it's not because you went as far back as when he was like mal basically malnourished and like decrepit looking and had no muscles and you thought oh that'll be the one i'm like just go to when he was a baby or like further back like there's no point in just making it it's just a point of y'all trying to shoehorn more Wolverine onto us. Um, even choosing a pathetic villain, honestly. Omega Red's not that impressive as an adversary. Mikhail directly would have been they really could much be. more interesting. Would have made more sense. Right. They could really resolve this. Right. They could really resolve by just getting Lactuna to show up because he knows where everything is. It says that Mikhail and, and Omega Red are here. Uh, y'all not using y'all resources. Like, girl. It shouldn't be taking this long to undo all. I would have loved this. It was more of Lactuka involved, and Lactuka was like, "Oh yeah, I'm helping you out mostly because I understand. Without Xavier, we would never have gotten out of Amen. 
So what y'all need? When are they going? I know exactly right. the point to send you to. Right, he's essential to And that Tuka has, has already right shown here, that they're willing to help the Krakoans because they helped them build Arako, the planet. Right. I know your secret. I know what's in your hearts. <laughs> it was some musty chick named Myra. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, wait. Then I think about that. It wasn't talking about Myra. He was talking about Wolverine. Oh, that's interesting. All of it is done. Layers. Okay, Lactuka, we see you, clairvoyant queen. All of it is dumb, and I wish it had all heard. I, I, I wish we would just get through this. I, I, they need to really stick to like five arc, I mean, four issue arc things. But like anything over four is just like, why are we still talking about this? And that's not just. Yeah, and then you've got. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, I was like, and then you got like, what, seven more issues of X Lives? And then you got like eight of Mm-mm. it's only that. five total for each. So it's, like, it's only I'm five eight. total. Oh, oh, no. so, so it's not ten each. It's ten. It's ten, it's ten total. between the two of them. Oh, but it's ten, five total, each. ten total between the two of them, but it's only five. Okay, cool, 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 cool. So yeah, they they just need to hurry up and get to the point. Sorry, I really thought it was like ten. Where is my head at? <laughs> Child, my head is in that thigh, me, child. Mm-hmm. You better work, bitch. Oh. <laughs> well, these, things get me, these things get me in trouble. I, but I, I don't. I, 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 see, I see you and your man all over each other on the timeline, child. Oh, honey, I love me. I love me some him, honey. I love me some him. Every day I come home from work, I just want my face on his butt. But don't put that in there. Make him want to marry me. Make him want to your grandmother. Like, talk about your legs to the moon. With the I like, oh, hold up! I'm, I'm, hey, hey, we, we ain't we ain't at the grandmother stage yet. Y'all better hope Steven <laughs> sends this to me on oh, time. Yeah, yeah. Because if it don't come on time, I'm not gonna remember to edit that out. Listen, baby. Cool. Listen, baby, baby. Ain't no shame in my game. Right. So I'm in love, bitch. She said that's my man. That's exactly. My man. I'm exactly. I motorboat the pussy, and it don't matter to me. Dante, oh my god this is like the lewdest anyone's ever been on this podcast ever oh my goodness we have some decor wow, I'm sure. really? <laughs> wow. wow well wow. let me well i have to pull a you every now and then to keep it on wow. Get up. Get up. Please. You better read her down. You better read her down for Mario Coins and motherfucking Sonic Rings, bitch. You better read her. Every single time. Girl, what do you be doing? I wonder why I come. Because everyone's always fucking with me. No white woman tears is going to move up. I know that's right. All I do is show up and do my best. I can't work under these conditions which your white woman tears thank you guys so much for listening but frankly it's too much mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, about, I'm about to say something really shady i'll make a level controlling the narrative <laughs> but i want i didn't want to i don't want that to make it to the show because i'll make me look like a petty ass if i say what i was about to say i was like what you want to quit too <laughs> And with that, thank you guys so much for coming to KRKA yeah. Radio. Um, we, 
We don't know what's on the pull list, and we're not pulling it up. We love you guys. (laughs) We love you. No, let's see what's on the pull list. Let's be gentlemen. I'll tell you about the pull list real quick. Uh, Next week, we have Devil's Reign, X-Men number two, and 10 Lives of Wolverine number three. I'm sure they won't quit us. Okay, thank you for coming today. Uh, See you later. See you later. Love and light. And thank you for having a great Black History Month. Talk to you later.